Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday of Easter. Before we begin our worship, a few things to share. Uh, first, you'll notice in your bulletins that May 13th, Saturday, May 13th, will be our annual cleanup day in and around the church. So if you're able to make it and to help out, we will gather that morning and, and take care of what chores need to be done around the church. Um, also, don't forget that newsletters are in your box this morning, so pick that up if you haven't. A uh, couple of prayer requests this morning. First, we pray for Rose Parker, who is having open heart surgery. Uh, we also want to pray for a travel team from our Senate who is traveling to Tanzania. So we pray that, that God will watch over them and protect them in their travels. Are there other announcements or other prayer requests that you have for us this morning? Yeah, John. Lost another nephew last Friday. So I'm sorry. What, what's the name? Thurman Altman. Altman. Other prayer requests, other things for the congregation? All right, if there's nothing else to share, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and prepare your minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I love you. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. O God, our shepherd, you know your sheep by name and lead us to safety through the valleys of death. Guide us by your voice that we may walk in certainty and security to the joyous feast prepared in your house through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Acts. 
The baptized devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. We will sing hymn number 778. credit to you if being aware of God you endure pain while suffering unjustly if you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong what credit is that 
But if you endure when you, when you do is right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as you may have gathered, this Sunday in Easter is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. We always get a reading from John chapter 10. We get Psalm 23. We sing these wonderful hymns where we speak of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. However, in verses 1 through 10 of John chapter 10, shepherd is not actually the chief metaphor. It's not actually how Jesus refers to himself here. Instead, here, the chief metaphor Jesus uses is not, I am the shepherd, but I am the gate. And probably, I am the gate Sunday doesn't have a nice ring, so we don't call the fourth Sunday of Easter that. But nonetheless, Jesus is telling us that he here is the gate. And this metaphor is meant to encourage and comfort us. But as we read, the people who who heard Jesus say, I am the gate, did not understand what he was talking about. And so we need to do a little unpacking to understand this chapter. And we have to go back to John chapter 9. John chapter 10 is just a continuation of what had happened in 9. And so in John 9, which we read not too long ago in Lent, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. And having healed the blind man on the Sabbath, Pharisees began to accuse Jesus. 
The Pharisees, these are influential sect of believers in Jesus' day who embrace the scriptures and the traditions of the Jews. They say Jesus is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Of course, the accusation is that Jesus was doing work on the Sabbath day, which violates the third commandment. Because Jesus had made mud, and he put it on the blind man's eyes in order to heal him. The Pharisees say that this work is violating the third commandment. It's violating the law. And so they accuse Jesus. They point a finger at him. And the Pharisees and the gospel become the embodiment of the voice of accusation. Later, the Pharisees will even accuse the poor blind man who was healed. They'll say he is a sinner because he was healed on the Sabbath, because he availed himself to Jesus. They accuse him of being a sinner because he was born blind, and he sinned according to them by conspiring with Jesus to break the Sabbath. And so we see that the Pharisees only have accusations. The Pharisees did not see the blind man's great need, as Jesus did. Or if they did, they had nothing to say to the blind man except to accuse him of sin. They had no words of comfort. They had no words of healing for the blind man. And so throughout the Gospels, it's clear the Pharisees are hypocrites because they're always ready to accuse without seeing the ways in which they also must be accused. But here, the Pharisees become helpful to us because they help us see an important truth. And that truth is that the law always accuses. God's demands to us will always register in our ears as accusation. In fact, the Lutheran confessions say the law always accuses. It always terrifies our conscience. That is to say, as we say every Sunday, that as sinners we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. The old sinner in us will look at the Ten Commandments and right away we know that we stand accused. We don't keep the commandments. Our hearts do not fear, love, and trust God above all else, nor do we love our neighbors as ourselves. And so our sin nature always stands accused by the law because we know that we cannot keep it. The commandments of God become a mirror for us in which we see how imperfect we are, how full of sin and evil we really are. And the problem becomes when we think that the law, that is what God's word demands of us, is the only word that God has for us. That's the thinking the Pharisees fall into. They only see God's work through the lens of the law, through his commandments. And therefore, they use the law to accuse Jesus. They even use the law to accuse the poor blind man. And the Pharisees double down on the accusations of the law. And this becomes the problem that Jesus has with the Pharisees here in John chapter 10. The Pharisees go to a poor blind man and say that he is sinning because he was healed by Jesus. They even threw the poor man out of the synagogue. They say, you can't worship with us any longer. You can't fellowship with us any longer. And so Jesus calls these Pharisees thieves, bandits. He'll call them wolves. And what Jesus is saying is that these false shepherds, these hirelings, these people who are supposed to be the righteous leaders of the Israelites, these are leaders with bad intentions who are ruling over God's people only with the threat of accusation. 
And so he says to them that such leaders kill and destroy. They have no words to heal. They don't have the gospel. And that's really simple. We know there are preachers out there who will only hold up the law and show you how sinful you are, how inadequate you are. And this happens in churches everywhere of every denomination all over the world. It happens in conservative churches and liberal churches. Conservatives will preach more on personal piety. Have you prayed enough? Did you read your Bible? Did you give enough to the church? What are you doing about the degradation of society and culture? And more liberal churches will preach the same law, but they'll preach it on social justice, or do you care enough about the poor? Are you advocating for the oppressed? And so on. But in both cases, in both kinds of churches, there's really only one message being preached, and that's the message of accusation. It's a reality that you cannot live up to the law that they're demanding of you. It's always going to accuse you. And this can even be very well-meaning. It's not always so sinister. Sometimes churches give messages that are inspirational. They come across as try harder, do better, feel a little better, smile more, be a little happier. We get sermon series and books that are, here are 10 strategies for a happy marriage, a better life. But it's all just law preaching. It attempts you to get you to do something, but what happens is inevitably you will fail. And so it stands above you as only an accusation. And so Jesus ascribes this kind of preaching to thieves and bandits. Specifically, he says these preachers are not coming to God's people through the gate. Well, what is the gate? The gate is Christ. And so the preacher's job, the church's job, is to bring the word of God through the gate to the sheep. That is to preach Christ to the people. Jesus criticizes the Pharisees because they can only beat people over the head with the law. They can only make people feel the weight of their sin. Christ, however, has something else for God's people. As we see with the blind man, Christ brings healing. And to us, Jesus brings the word of the gospel. That is, he brings the word of abundant life for us. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he is telling us that he is doing more than keeping us enclosed in the accusations of the law. Gates are meant to be opened. Jesus is the gate that opens up the kingdom for us. He is the gate that opens up so that we can be led into green pastures and still waters. Jesus opens the gate so we are free. Or in his own words, Jesus says he opens the gate so that we may receive abundant life. This is what green pastures and still waters of Psalm 23 are about. They're about a conscience set free. A soul no longer burdened by accusations. A soul no longer burdened by the guilt of its sin. A reminder that in Christ there is nothing to fear. Because as you sit in green pastures, there is no law standing over you accusing you. You are led into the pastures to be free to be just who God has created you to be. And so we can fear no evil. We can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because Christ, who is at the right hand of God, is with us and he comforts us. The law's accusations against us are technically correct. We are indeed sinners. 
We stray and wander like lost sheep. But God always forgives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so the law has no real power over you. This is what St. Paul says in Romans. For Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. And so there are many voices in this world that are going to tell you that you are under condemnation. Many voices that are going to tell you you are not enough. In politics, we'll hear voices that tell us we're awful people if we vote a certain way. We might hear supervisors at work tell us that our performance is poor. We'll hear teachers at school tell us that we're not good enough in one way or another. We're going to hear criticism from family, from people around us. And most of all, you're going to hear the weight of the law in your very own conscience. It will tell you how much of a sinner you are. It will tell you that you can never be accepted by God. It will remind you that you have all kinds of problems, and most of these problems are your fault. They're your own doing. But the Good Shepherd reminds us that these voices are not the voices that define you. The voice that defines you is the voice of the Good Shepherd who says, Dear child, you are forgiven. You are mine. The poor blind man was not defined by the accusations the Pharisees leveled at him. He was not defined by being thrown out of the synagogue. He was defined by the voice of Christ who said, Be healed, be forgiven, be made whole. This is the voice that the sheep know. It's the gentle voice of the shepherd who gives life and freedom to the sheep. And this applies to you as well. There's always going to be an accusation out there for you. The law is always going to accuse you. But Christ has already forgiven you. He is your shepherd. And you need nothing else. He takes care of it all for you. Amen.
stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true to God from true God, the God of not made, but the one being of the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. Pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people, according to their needs. Loving Father, your Son is the great shepherd of the sheep, who faithfully gathers his flock to himself in the pastures of the church. Grant us steadfast faith to hear his voice and follow him, even through the valley of the shadow of death, that we may receive the abundant life he has for us. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Father, by the work of your Spirit, through the means of grace, you daily add to the number of believers. Grant your people courageous hearts and bold tongues to proclaim your truth, trusting that you will gather more in keeping with your gracious will. Lord, in your mercy. Shepherd of Israel, you have clothed us with Christ's righteousness and taught us to love all that is good, beautiful, and true. Bless all artists composers, musicians, craftsmen, and writers, that they may employ all of their skills and talents for your glory, and in service to the gospel, testify to your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you hold in your hands all the might of man, and you hold accountable those who would govern your people. Grant to us good government and good leaders who will honor your purpose and bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael, and protect all of your people. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Shepherd, your wounds are our healing, and your voice is our certainty. Hear us on behalf of those who suffer in body or mind, who grieve, or to whom death draws near, especially for Charlie and Jane, Linda, Jenny, Allison, Steve, Roxanne, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, Rose, and for all of those from our Synod traveling to Tanzania. Grant them safety, healing according to your will, and grace to sustain them in any trouble, and give them the sure hope of everlasting life. 
Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, in the wake of your son's resurrection, your people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Unite your people in one true faith and grant our hearts and all who come to receive the sacrament this day true faith in you. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, 
for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sin, who in dying has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter, and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. and merciful God, you are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in this body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.